pull up a bar stool. All right, so last week I started um, a one-hour conversation with JR, where he uh, broke out a physical newspaper. Those things actually still do exist. Cut out a couple of articles that he wanted to talk to me about. And uh, started with things like what it is I actually do. So questions came from it. What it is that I actually do, my background, who I work with, my challenges. Uh, Uncovered the fact that I kind of hate marketing when it comes down to it. Why a pause in your career matters. So we're going to wrap it all up now and make sure that we cover all of this stuff. Um, So we're also going to talk about why your crap jobs are important. I have had a lot of crap jobs in my life. But I think they provide a lot of really important perspective. Um, also talking about normalization, what is average, what is typical and ideal when starting your business, and what the heck is normal when starting your business, and overcoming less when starting your business. So really appreciate JR. Um, sit back, relax, pop a bottle. Let's do it. Well, you just segued into another great article in the New York Times called The Normalization Trap. And that is in the Sunday Review section. And the premise of that article is about what's normal. Like, what is normal, what's typical, what's ideal? So I'm going to ask you two questions that's in the article. I want to see what your answer is. All right, first question. What is the average number of hours of TV that people watch in a day? Um, maybe four. Okay, you say four hours. Second question. What is the normal number of hours of TV for a person to watch in a day? Isn't that the same thing? I don't know. I'll ask it again. It's not the same. I'll ask it. What is the normal number of hours of TV for a person to watch in a day? I would consider it the same thing. I'm going to say four hours. Okay. Okay. All right. So the beauty of that answer is that you're abnormal first off. So we're talking about the normalization trap. And most people, they answer what you said for the first answer for the first question, which was four hours. So that that's what the that's what the answer is. Now for the second, people would say three hours. Hmm. So here's the this, here's the distinction between the two. In the first question, it's about average. So like I said, what is the average number of hours of TV that people watch in the day? And the second question is, what is the number the normal number of hours of TV for a person watching this in a day? So that's about typical. So average versus typical. Well, no, I, th- I think it's. Um, I mean, it's it's an interesting way that they use that use that those two questions because in reality, I really think those two things are the same thing. Because normal okay. mean, normal means this is what people really typically do. So four hours would be typical in in both cases. Now, I think what the, what's influencing them here is that. Um, Probably 60% of the people are probably watching too much TV, is what they're saying. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not so much as normal. So basically, 60% of the population are abnormal, um, okay. is, is kind of what they're getting at. So it's just a, it's how you view the word normal, I guess. 
All right, and that's why it's called the normalization trap. Now let me add one other twist to this. I do like that, though, because I feel like we're getting crazier and crazier every year. And so is, is something expected? Yes. Is it normal? It shouldn't be. <laughs> I think that's... Oh. Right? John Loomer, John Loomer. I'm about to... If anyone wants to see John Loomer's button pushed, I'm about to push no. it. No. Yes. I'm let's, about to push Let's it. talk about hip-hop. Let's talk about old school. No. So, so we went from this idea of average. We went to this idea of typical. Now, let's go to ideal. So let's say your answer was four hours, then four hours. What's the ideal amount of hours to watch TV in a day? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know because it 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 depends. Like I, I don't, I'm not gonna say you shouldn't watch TV. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. say you should only watch one hour or two hours. Um, like I, because then you're like, oh, anything over thirty minutes or an hour, you should feel guilty because it's it's not ideal. Um, you should be more productive, and I think that's kind of what we get into when we talk about entrepreneurs, and maybe where you're trying to push my button is that. Um, they almost try to make you feel guilty if you're not working all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, hey, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, you're, you're right. I'm, I'm drawing you in. I, I feel like, uh, you know, one of those animals that draws another animal in so I can attack you. Mm-hmm. And I, I am, I'm drawing you in because there is this idea of what normal is and isn't as an entrepreneur there is what normal is and isn't in everyday life so let's take for example president trump wait wait, wait. can i go back to something to finish my thought yeah yeah um i think context and what is normal and what's okay what's acceptable matters so look if i'm a single guy trying to start a business and i don't have much of a community around me like I don't have uh, like a girlfriend or living girlfriend or kids or anything Um, if I was sitting around watching four hours of TV every day that is not ideal (laughs) right Mm -hmm. but for me in my life if I am cutting myself off from TV and only watching one hour a day so that I can work more or even if I'm not working more, is it because I'm reading or something else? I am cutting myself off from my family that is watching four hours a day, potentially, of TV. And uh, do I force them to watch less? So I think all of that has to feed into that answer. And I'm not really going to enjoy talking about Donald Trump, but I guess let's go. Well, I, I, I'll just kind of tidy that last thought up a bit because what comes to mind for me is our minds tend to blur what's typical with what's acceptable and that's what i think i just heard you say is like wow what's typical for this may not be acceptable because and for those that are listening john does not even stay awake for more than 40 minutes of most tv shows oh uh, no so. See, i think movies movies are a tough one like, you give me like that comfortable spot in the couch and, right. and, and, and where you could so, actually put your legs up and everything and then and then a movie's on and oh that's it 
So he goes to sleep most of the time. That's what his wife Lisa complains about the most. Like, nah, don't ask John for a summary of that movie. He fell asleep in 10 minutes. Mm. So I always ask her, was the movie good or not? Yeah. But let, let's go to the button I was really trying to push is the President Trump button. And I'm going to read this exactly out of the Normalization Trap article on this idea of what's typical and what's acceptable and what's ideal. And here's what it says. The consequences can be serious, meaning our research suggests, for example, that as President Trump continues to do things that once would have been regarded as outlandish, these actions are not simply coming to be regarded as more typical. They're coming to be seen as more normal. As a result, they will come to be seen as less bad and hence less worthy of outrage. Yeah. So I, I love that idea of what we think is typical, what we think is normal, what we think is ideal. Is this going to be a normal president? Um, and I don't mean him, but just for all presidents following Trump, is this the behavior that we're just going to think is normal? Yeah, I hope not. I, I don't know. And that's that, that is and I, once, since you said you're, t- you're reading from the New York Times and the normalization, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a topic I've I've seen a lot. And it's it's right. I mean, just like we were talking about TV time that you're watching, it's something mm-hmm. that um, what is considered normal, it may not be healthy, but it continues to be pushed more and more as far as how, how long you should watch TV every day, what's considered normal. Just like how mm-hmm. much time you're going to spend on a computer or on, a, on some sort of device. Um, it's become normal, and then you no longer say, what the hell are you doing? Spend all that time on your phone and on your computer. Like, well, it's kind of normal now, so you don't, no one says that. Um, so, yeah, that is, that is the concern. Um, if anything, that uh, once someone sets the precedent that um, – you can do something, and and they do do something that is had, was previously not acceptable. Repeatedly, it becomes more and more mm-hmm. normal, and uh, the danger is in the future that uh, it's not just that one person. That's what we're going to see, and people are going to continue to push those limits. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I'll I'll kind of segue and get closer to to you paying the tab. The last article is called Why Succeeding Against the Odds Can Make You Sick. And really the what it is is a saying that you know, those who grow up in very stressful situations with less mm. privilege, less opportunity, um, they're used to being super stressed out. And then once they get out of that you know, bad neighborhood or whatever the situation is, and they're going out into the world to start a business or you know, kill that next dragon – they're creating another level of stress for themselves and that that stress can make them a little bit unhealthy but what i really took from that was this this phrase of maybe people should simply have to overcome less in the first place so there should just be less adversity so then those levels of stress don't have to be as high for a majority of their life now how does that connect to what we're talking about? When you first started this business, 
do you think that you had a lot to overcome in the beginning? As it, or if you're trying to start it today, do you think you would have as much to overcome? Well, no, I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have as much to overcome if I had to start it today because of all the things I learned along the way. But I don't know. I saw, I saw that headline that you're referring to. It's one of those that, like, oh, yeah, I share that. Let's share that, whatever. I, I don't, it looks interesting. I don't really know all the details. But just from the headline, it inspired some reactions for me in that um, I feel like, to, in my case, I will say I'm not as prepared as someone who experienced a lot of early adversity Mm-hmm. to deal with that now because my life has been pretty easy compared to someone who grew up in in uh, in the projects or on welfare or you know always just fighting to get fed every night mm-hmm. so I I don't know I look at it and I, again I, I, I didn't read the study so I'm sure there's there's something behind it um, but if you're in that stress constantly, I'm sure that that's not good for your health. But on the flip side, I feel like I am stressed out by things that some people, and it, we've used the example of, um, you know, growing up in the projects where, well, it also use, well, if you're in the military and you experienced that kind of, that level of stress, mm-hmm. what I experienced is nothing compared to either of those people. Um, right. So, so, but I, so I think it, I guess it just depends on, on the person and if that ended up being a positive for them or a negative, um, because I feel like there is some positive to, to dealing with that kind of stress, but clearly you can't have that high level stress constantly. It's not, it can't be good for you. But, but again, kind of what I'm getting at is like, okay, you go from that to the, the things that I've dealt with, I feel like that wouldn't be as stressful in some cases because you've been through so much. But I, I can't. No, absolutely. So, so as I heard you say that if you were starting a business today, it wouldn't be as a high-level stress as it was in the beginning because you have learnings. Yeah. With that said, I know that, that we're – on the cusp of doing a, a webinar, a free webinar for those that are interested in taking that leap of faith into entrepreneurship or solopreneurship or whatever you want to call it, is the intention of that webinar so that you share your learnings so that these people don't have to overcome as much in the beginning because you're sharing your love learnings. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, absolutely because in the beginning, um, you know, I was I didn't know who to listen to, so I listened mm-hmm. to some positive voices and I listened to a lot of those used car salesmen and and uh, um, telemarketers. So um, I'm hoping I can help clarify a little bit what they what they should be doing and that doesn't mean me telling them do this it means <laughs> right because I, again i don't i know i also did that five years ago so that doesn't mean that if i could definitely replicate what i did then now but 
um, it means, you know, here's some, some lessons and some things that I definitely don't want to do and wish that maybe I didn't do. And, um, I think, uh, especially people who have similar mindset that I do, I think it could be useful to them. And I wish I had more of that, uh, when I started, especially, I, you know, I started getting more and more of those, um, friendships to help guide me, um, as I went, but from day one, I wish I had that. Yeah, and and I'd love to see us accomplished sharing what normal is, meaning what average is, what typical is, and what ideal is in the beginnings of when you take an idea and try to turn it into a business or business model. And I think that'll be super valuable if you're able to share what 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 it average is because. There, there really isn't that out there. I don't think there are a lot of people sharing what to expect, what, what's ideal, what's, what's typical for response rates, what's typical for hearing no, what's typical for finding staff. I mean, what's typical for leading a team. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot out there. And what I do appreciate is that bad marketing behavior um, really hasn't been normalized in, in the sense that um, Google and Facebook are always looking to punish those people. So mm-hmm. while, you know, maybe five years ago, you could get away with some of these things then. And so it was probably more of a rebellious thing for me that I didn't follow some of that, some of that advice that I was, I was reading out there. It just didn't feel right. But the thing is, doing what feels right pays off handsomely. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or it did for me yeah. because I could have fallen, fallen all through all these other traps, um, all this black hat stuff that worked great for some people for a while, and now they're screwed. And there's some other people now who may be benefiting from it. They won't for long. So if you're always doing something that, that feels right and that you're doing something positive, um, Facebook or Google or whoever else well, wants people like you. They want content from people like you. So um, I feel lucky and also just really happy that I never fell in those traps. Um, but it's, it's one of those things, it's good to have a good, strong mental or, or moral compass. So um, even when you see someone say, oh, but this works, do it. Uh, and you don't because you want, you just don't feel right about it. I think eventually it pays off. I, I really don't want to do this, but I'm going to just for the smirk that I have on my face. Does it feel right to do affiliate marketing? No, <laughs> not for me. It doesn't. <laughs> so, so, it, it, and I know that because I think you did a post last week or this week. I don't remember. It was last week. I think it was last week. Last week, yeah. Yeah, but but this idea of the normalization trap. Going back to that article, what's normal for what marketers believe about affiliate marketing and or affiliate relationships versus what's ideal and what's ideal for you is that it doesn't feel right and you wrote an article about it and shortly what was the feedback that you got what was some of the average and typical feedback i stopped reading it but uh (laughs) it wasn't good well because i mean it makes sense why i wouldn't get a lot of positive feedback because i get a lot of marketers who are do a lot of affiliate marketing or read my stuff. And, and you know, as soon as one person who really doesn't like it sees it and they spread it, then I get 
just troll city going on. But um, I think it's just a matter of we need to step back and look at it not from the it works point of view and I need to make money point of view to is it, you know, how, what does the user think, right? And there are a lot of people who try to validate it and say, well, you know, I, you know, I, I, as a person, as a consumer, I want someone who recommends products and this and that. Like, yeah, but if someone, rec- if you have two options, one person recommends a product and you know they get money for it, one person recommends the same product and they get nothing for it, which re- recommendation is more valuable? And don't try to go back, like, oh, no, the other person might be, no, the person who isn't getting paid to say they like something will always get uh, my attention. So it's not that you should never do affiliate marketing. And I think a lot of people got stumbled, just stumbled upon like a, a couple paragraphs and they really clung to that. And I say it over and over, like, look, I still get commission checks. I do. There are a few things that I, I did affiliate marketing for. I did more of it then than I do now. Like now, I almost never share an affiliate link. But that's that's a personal preference because it's something, for me, I don't feel like I'm, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to my community if when I recommend something, I get paid for it because automatically it's less valuable as opposed to, hey, you know what? I use this product. I love it. I'm not getting paid anything for saying this. Uh, if you want, if you need a solution, this is a good one. That is valuable. But, and I also understand that I am spoiled that I can do that now and not feel like, oh, I have to have that commission check, right? But, but that's again something, it's part of the building blocks for trust and how you really build a long term community as opposed to just worrying about that short term, got 20% out of $50, whoop de doo. Uh, for that that commission, right? Anyway, yeah, we could talk about that all day. I, I have to acknowledge you on this one because I like that you're making a distinction of doing what feels right at the time. And I add the words at the time because, yes, in the beginning, a lot of the John Loomer digital rocket fuel was fueled by affiliate money. Now, that money is coming from, you know, different revenue centers. And to be very, and clear, it doesn't, and to be very clear about that, like I, I think some people were confused too in the comments saying, they didn't come out and say I was a hypocrite, but they mentioned how, yeah, I made a bigger chunk of my revenue back then. That was not a lot though. Like I, right. I feel like at my peak, at my peak, I may have made $2,000 a month or so in affiliate revenue. Right, so I, that was never going to be my business, my core business, and and, that, and, to be, and also I, I was only like I was not an affiliate marketer. It was just that I, you know, I had a f- like four or five links that I used for the products I used and love because that's I wasn't one of those people who just spammed affiliate links all over the place. So that's yeah. Anyway, continue. Well, I just I just came up with a distinction that I have never came up with, and maybe it's because of this new mental bandwidth that I have right now. But you're not a typical marketer. You're not an average marketer. You are kind of like beyond the edge. I thought you were going to call me Beyonce at first. Like, you're kind of Beyonce. <laughs> do, you know, do you know, on a side note, I can't believe how much Beyonce's talked about in general. 
and until you say that, and I think I hear that all the time now, is that somebody mentioned Beyonce, and now we just did. Yeah. But uh, beyond the edge, I mean, I feel like you're a beyond the edge marketer because you're not typical, you're not average, you don't look at marketing. Matter of fact, you just said earlier that that you hate marketing, <laughs> and then you describe yourself as an online marketing educator. So I absolutely believe that you're kind of a beyond the edge marketer because you just think differently. Beyond, and I don't know. Just, for some reason, that just came to me. Beyonce of marketing. Beyonce of marketing. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's all I have. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening this far and listening to all of the New York Times article uh, we're we're, we're going to get hate mail over that. Fake news, man. Fake news. But anyway. Well, you know what? So, so speaking of that, speaking of that, because I, you and I really take stands on things. And I think when you don't take enough stands on things, people think that you don't have commitments or assertions. And I just asked you about this yesterday or today about your support of the New York Times and what what was your reasoning because I didn't even know that you read the New York Times till today or yesterday well I just think that right now um, journalism is under fire uh, mm-hmm. so I want to make sure that th- those companies um, are succeeding right now and that they have to hire more reporters to get to the truth as opposed to struggling, and then more and more we have to rely on, to use uh, President's phrase, some 400-pound dude sitting in his parents' basement uh, as the source for, for something, right? So mm-hmm. actual people, web, uh, companies that use actual journalistic guidelines as opposed to just making up crap. Um, now, mm-hmm. I understand, and for anyone who wants to email me, I understand that New York Times is generally considered to be left-leaning, but there's there's a difference between uh, bias and just kind of the, how you say something or whatnot, as as opposed to just making crap up, which is what we're seeing more and more of. And I want to make sure that we reward those people who aren't just making crap up. Um, so it's not only that, but it was ACLU I donated to the other day, and I, I just want to start doing more of that kind of stuff. Well, well, let's just keep that spirit of donations going, and you pick up the tab, and man. we can go on our way. All right, man. Well, thanks. And for anyone who's curious, the, the free webinar JR was talking about was what now, and it's just a kind of a... What I was looking at is you were you just you want to start a business or you just started a business or you're struggling. What now? What should you do? Uh, so you go to johnlumber.com slash what dash now. First time it airs will be on this coming Monday, the sixth of February. But even if you hear this after that, I plan if, if all things go well to do this just about every month. So yeah, I picked up a crappy tab. Um, that brain food, whatever garbage that was, is expensive. True brain. That's ridiculous. Yeah, true. True brain is pretty expensive. Yeah, they they owe us some money for this, basically ad we just did for them. It's not affiliate marketing. Yeah. Uh, but thanks right. again for no, being on, not. man. Thanks, for, <laughs> thanks again. Where where can people find you? 
They can find me at, on Twitter at BackupCEO and online BackupCEO.com. And I will say one last thing is that I really am excited to, to hear you share part of your entrepreneurial journey so people will have to overcome less because they you've learned a lot uh, I've learned a lot along the way and I think it's our duty to share some of the mistakes we've made I think it's our duty to share some of the, the cool strategies the cool plans the cool things we've learned along the way so we can give people a head start and and I think that's what I'm hoping that happens with not only the entrepreneurial webinar, we're still trying to figure out what the naming could be for uh, a group, a private group as well, but uh, something along the lines of overcoming less, giving you a head start. So thanks for spending the time and effort to do that, John. You said duty twice. That's pretty much all I heard, but uh, appreciate you being on. Thanks everybody else for listening. Until next time, do awesome things.